good morning, planet Earth. Good morning to the birdies, the little birdies flying around. They don't have any kind of trouble, do they? Good morning to the fishies, the ones swimming in the sea, the ones finding Nemo near the great poop chute. Good morning. Good morning to the wolf people hunting their flesh in the daylight looking for their blood masterpiece outside of Scompton. Good morning to the hooker queen. Her name is Denestra. She rises up in the east. She settles in the west. It is March the 25th. 2023 Bo Blimp Doc, almost 8.30 a.m., if you can believe it, brothers and sisters. Here in the great state of Utah, it's a Saturday. And there's just a little bit of blue sky out there. They haven't really started spraying yet. You can imagine the springtime. A little flower. Creeping up through the dirt, looking for the warmth of the sun, telling you summertime's near, telling you to get some beer. Yep, that time of year, buddy. No, I, I know what I said about the news in recent podcasts, but I also pointed out that if I come across an article of such great weight, such a weighty matter, of su- such great mass and grotesqueness, that it must be covered. And so I'm going to read an article here from NBCNews.com. <laughs> Headline, Gwyneth Paltrow Ski Crash Trial, colon, Paltrow testifies that the accident wasn't her fault. She has been accused of causing an incident at Utah's Deer Valley Resort in 2016 that left a man seriously injured, and I read on. And this was published yesterday by Doa Madani and Tim Stalo. Gwyneth Paltrow was called to the witness stand Friday in a civil suit filed against her where she emphatically denied that she caused an accident at Utah's Deer Valley Resort in 2016 that left a man seriously injured. Oh, my God. Terry Sanderson, 76, who is seeking 300000 from Paltrow, says she slammed into him from behind in a ski collision that left him with a concussion, brain injury, and four broken ribs. Oh, my God. But Paltrow alleges that it was actually Sanderson at fault and that he is exploiting her wealth. Mr. Sanderson categorically hit me on the ski slope. That is the truth. Paltrow said, 
from The Stand Friday. The actor and Sanderson both dispute who hit whom and who was farther up the hill at the time of the crash. Deer Valley's website says the person ahead or downhill has the right of way. Paltrow was called to the stand Friday by Sanderson's attorneys after the jury heard from Sanderson's daughters, an eyewitness, and medical experts. Paltrow said she was gently skiing. Gently. Paltrow said she was gently skiing down the slope when she felt a body press into her back and saw two skis slide between hers. She and Sanderson fell to the ground, Paltrow said, adding that she momentarily froze before, before becoming upset and yelling an expletive at Sanderson. Paltrow apologized for the outburst, saying she felt violated and initially believed the crash might have been a sexual assault. There was a body pressing up against me. There was a body and some strange grunting noise. There was a man's body pressing up against me in the cold with a grunting noise. Paltrow said she remained at the scene until a ski instructor who had been working with one of her children told her she could go. The instructor filled out a report documenting the incident, Paltrow said, and made sure that Sanderson was okay. Paltrow is seeking $1 in damages and the re reimbursement of attorney's fees. When a lawyer for Sanderson, Kristen Van Orman, pressed Paltrow about an eyewitness account of the crash that differs from hers, Paltrow questioned the witness's accuracy and insisted that she was the one who was hit. Yeah, this is a horrible story. You can read the, the rest of this. this. is terrible, terrible, terrible stuff here. Not sure how much more time I should spend on it, but let me just point out some, some interesting things. <laughs> Actually, there's nothing that interesting about this story except for how banal and absurdly ridiculous the whole thing is. I don't know. It strikes me that somebody like Gwyneth Paltrow could have just paid the guy a hundred grand just to shut the fuck up. In fact, that's probably what she should have done. I'm not saying it's right to take advantage of famous people. I don't know who did what. I don't really believe anything Gwyneth Paltrow has to say, but I find her entertaining. And I just don't mean her as an actress. She's talented and she's very, very attractive. I mean her in her entrepreneurial world of goop. She sells vagina. She sells vagina candles. She sells semen, semen in a bottle. She harvests the semen from the Coldplay people. She puts it in the fridge. She sells it to you, you know. It's so poignant. Those little babies. Now, I don't know. As the goop thing goes, I kind of find it funny, the whole goop thing. The fact that people will pay her money 
for, for what I would consider to be obnoxious, obnoxious artifacts of human existence, the fact that she would, I mean, I'm kind of waiting for the jar of used condoms, you know. Oh, but Dan, that she'd never do that. Oh, are you kidding? No, it would be used condoms uh, in some sort of jelly or jam that you put on your toast. And that's the next thing Goop will sell. Dirty, nasty, old used condoms. Stupid topic. If you can believe it, right? This next one is also kind of news, I guess. I don't know. Uh, there's an article published recently in the New York Post, and I'm going to read it. I don't care. Headline, Drinking Coke and Pepsi leads to larger testicles, more testosterone, says study. This was published on February the 22nd of this year, and it comes from news.com.australia. A study has revealed how Coca-Cola, drinking Coca-Cola and Pepsi can lead to larger testicles and higher testosterone levels. Oh my God. The Northwest Minzu University in China was attempting to determine the impact of carbonated beverages on fertility and sex organs in men. The study looked at three groups of mice, one that only drank water, one that only got the patty water, another drank different levels of, you know, Coca-Cola, and the other drank Pepsi for 15 fucking days. Holy shit. And tests on the rodents included weighing their testicles and drawing blood. They were tested on day one, as well as day five, seven, ten, and fifteen. It was quickly discovered that the mice drinking Coke and 100% Pepsi, compared to a mixture of Pepsi and water, had a significant change. For instance, the mice that were given pure Coca-Cola had higher levels of the male hormone compared to the group that drank water. The study concluded drinking Coca-Cola and Pepsi-Cola could promote testes development and enhance testosterone secretion. Our findings provide the scientific basis for fully understanding carbonated beverages' effects and their mechanism on development and reproductive functions of humans and how they benefit the prevention of prostate dysfunction and cancer. However, this contradicts previous studies that indicate that sugary drinks made men less fertile instead of more, as a new study suggested. A previous survey of 2,500 men showed that those who drank a liter of cola a day had 30% fewer sperm than those that drank none. But some research has shown how caffeine can increase testosterone levels. Holy fuck. This is some important fucking news right here. If you're out there in America during Bo Blimp Doc, and you're like one of those, what do they call them in the vaccine fear-mongering world? The purebreds? See, I don't give a fuck if you took the vaccine. I'm just really sick and tired of the fear-mongering. 
that I can't verify. A lot of anonymous fucking people telling horror stories about maximal shedders having all kinds of graphene floating out their orifices and giving you the black powder gooey like it's X-Files 1990 fucking four. You know, and it's the black goo, the dark oil, the dark substance. Brothers and sisters, I don't give a fuck if you took the vaccine or not. What I will tell you, though, is that if you feel as if your testicles are too small, you need to start drinking Coca-Cola. Now, actually, I'm kind of curious where this institute in China gets its money from. I have a theory. I could be wrong. But given the levels of bullshit right now, and this is what I think Coca-Cola and Pepsi are doing. If you really meditate on this... They're fucking brilliant. They're probably evil shitheads who want to give people diabetes, but they're fucking geniuses. All this bullshit psyop around the monkey herpes COVID and the fucking vaccine and all the shit that surrounds it is basically opening a black hole, a wormhole into people's mind. It is a giant fucking way of leveraging the door open and the and and the sign on the door says common sense but you leverage it open you keep it open even though it should be there even though you should always use a bit of logic the sign on the door says common sense and the great thing about the covid is that that door is wide open maybe it's even been blown away and down the hole through the door through the hallway all the nonsense can flow to the deepest part of your mind. So what Coca-Cola and Pepsi are doing is fucking genius. They should get on the phone to like, I don't know, South Carolina, North Carolina, Durham rally like I give a fuck. They should call up those nicotine freaks making the cigarettes and say, listen, buddy, it's ready. The moment has fucking arrived. The singularity is here. You can drive a Mack truck of shithead thoughts right down the gullet of humanity. Right down the fucking gullet. This is a stupid article, and, and on the surface, a lot of people who, I don't know, might have taken freshman philosophy and had a decent teacher, on the surface, there's a lot in it to criticize and say, okay, you know, whatever the hell this is, this isn't some new insight, and you're probably not best advised to start you know, hammering Coca-Cola and Pepsi because of what? You want bigger testicles? Um, but... They, this is a genius time to do it, though. It's like I really do expect Marlboro to somehow do a guerrilla campaign saying, listen, buddy, I don't know if you know this, but some alt people in 2020 were talking about the cigarette cure for the monkey herpes. And during the 2014 Ebola panic, it was the magical cigarette cure, the nicotine cure, you fuck. Yeah. 
I think they should do that. Next topic, though. You know, if you want to drink Coke to make your testicles bigger, I don't give a fuck. That's your fucking business. I, I don't care. Here's a couple quotes from Dr. Freckles. I'd rather talk up to people than talk down to them. I'd rather talk up to people than talk down to them. And here's another quote from Dr. Freckles. Expect more of people. They'll expect more of you. I'd rather talk up to people than down to them. What does that mean exactly? Well, so I started doing this podcasting shit in various forms about a decade ago. And I can't claim that I've gotten better or worse or that it's a success. I, don't, I really can't tell you. Uh, I think some days I think I do it because I enjoy it. But then I think, what kind of an egotistical thing is that? Why not just record your voice onto some fucking cassette tape and bury it in the woods someplace? What's the fucking point? I mean, I don't really know that anybody hears me. And I don't know that anybody listens. Yeah, I've got a couple followers, a couple listeners. i got some people out there who enjoy it, and they say positive things. But when I look beyond the scope of my own existence, I can't tell you whether it's worthwhile. What I will say is this, though. No matter the topic, no, ma no matter the arena, what I try to avoid at all costs is talking down to people, um, expecting less of people, expecting people to be stupid. You know, we are in an age where a lot of authorities are telling people don't research, don't think, smart people simply obey. And it's it's a lot of very bad thinking. It's a lot of very dangerous thinking if you want a chance in hell to survive. But it is the general zeitgeist that's being promoted by those people in charge, the age of ignorance, the age of it being better to be stupid. And I would even throw into this panic all this ridiculous you know, hoopla over artificial intelligence right now. I haven't messed with chat GPT because I don't care to. I mean, I'm sure I could give it some ridiculous thing to go create it, an image or something, and perhaps it gives me back something interesting, who knows. But I've seen so many of these things turn out to be frauds that I have a hard time taking it seriously. But to me, it's not an accident. You know, they really do want to promote this idea that we are in the twilight of the human mind, and we are at the beginning, the sunset, the dawn, of machine intelligence, and I think that's probably not true. But you're not going to hear that on a podcast. What you're going to hear about is Boston Robotics and Magical Drones. You're going to hear a lot of stuff, including stuff related to warfare and how amazing these drones are blowing people up. Um, I don't have to tell you there. What I will say is this. We are living in an age that promotes ignorance as a value. I would contend I'd rather be on my side of the fence and expect more of people, expect more of what they're capable of, not just assume that, well, they're a product of a public education so that they don't have a way through. They don't have a way out. And it's hard. You know, that's what the second quote's about. Expect more of people, they'll expect more of you. I have... Um, in the last couple years, seriously questioned all the knowledge, quote-unquote, 
that I was exposed to, not just in high school or public school, but also at the university. It's not to say that I think it's all crap. It's just I have a hard time at this point in 2023 telling you which professor and which book was telling me the truth. And it's not to say that, you know, this is somehow a radical insight. Many of you will say, oh, Dan, everybody knows that the author has a perspective and it's formulated by the age they live in. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about minor differences regarding the English Civil War or minor differences in perspective on, you know, the ascension of Peter the Great. I, I don't, that's not it at all. I'm talking about significant facts of history that might be completely wrong. And there are facts of history that are used as the basis of power, the basis of control. It's like the story of the years between the end of the Revolutionary War and the beginning of our grand experiment in our constitutional republic. There was about half a decade when I would contend this was a free country, but it really couldn't be allowed for more than five years. I mean, we put up with some really wretched government bullshit for over a hundred years, not the least of which is the Federal Reserve. Oh, but that's not government. No, it's definitely enabled by the government shithead. Anyways, we put up with a lot of wretched shit for a hundred years in this country or more, but we could not give ourselves five years of fucking freedom. We couldn't do it. So getting back to the thing of, well, Dan, if you expect more of people, they'll expect more of you because you went off a tangent just there, you shithead. I agree. I went off on a tangent. I want to expect more of myself with with this podcast and maybe with some other things in my life, but um, I have no earthly idea what form that takes. As a Christian, I have nothing right now inspiring me to do anything different than stay right here in Utah. And I have no message from the Lord that says, get up and move, go someplace else. Um, I think that I probably should try to do more of a ministry than I've been able to do in the last couple of years. If only just to, to have that connection, even if it's with people that I can't sit down with at a church. But beyond that, I don't know what to expect. I mean, I, I think I'm going to try to lose some weight, in part because I, I gained some weight, you know, um, following this injury, the injury of my left arm, which, by the way, is getting better. But I can't tell you a good reason why. Like, I, I, I would love to make more money, but the money wouldn't go to anything other than, frankly, basic survival at this point. You know, if I had enough money, I'd buy a home with a piece of property on it. That's what I would do. I have no interest right now in doing anything that you would call entrepreneurial. I'm not opposed to it. If you want to go start a business at this moment in history, feel free. But I've been more or less consistent. Even if I'm wrong and I end up being wrong, I have been consistent since all this nonsense started. This is not a time for building. This is a time for preparing. I'm not saying you can't prepare by building. There's all those twists and turns in the way that we can live in this world. But I don't think it's a time for building right now. What are you building on? You're building on sand, you know? It's one of the reasons why, not the only reason, but one of the reasons why I'm kind of skeptical of the crypto world. Um, 
I, I'm not going to tell you that crypto is all crap or if it's all a lie, but I would say to people, okay, you know, do you really believe, given the facts on the ground, that anything as dependent upon high technology as crypto is, is going to make it? And if you're one of those folks who watches the SpaceX launch and, you know, kind of just takes it with no grains of salt, just assumes it's all true. If you're one of those folks that watches a Boston um, Dynamics video of one of these robots doing its robot things and thinking, oh my God, it's going to kill us all, and you think that's true, then I'm not sure any of what I'm saying would make sense to you. Um, but it's a, real, it's a real challenge for me right now. What would it mean to expect more of myself, given the way I'm seeing things, given the way that I look at the world? I don't see any point in, in starting any big business. I guess I could see the point in starting a church, but it would be a church on the run. I mean, if I were to tell you how I live, how I've lived pretty much most of my life and how I'm living right now is as a human being on the run. You know, I got a floppity flop mattress on the floor. I got four months of food in the corner of my room. I have the expectation that at any moment I'd have to go someplace else. It isn't to say I have no trust, and it isn't to say there is no kindness in the world. That's not even the fucking point. It's the world is what it is. And there are times when things get so hard that people do end up finding themselves in the middle of nowhere with nothing. And I guess I should count myself lucky in a way, but I also say to myself, maybe this is wrong. Maybe I should try to like be like some of the other people I know and somehow become more fused with this reality while it lasts, whatever it is. I can't imagine it lasting that much longer, the way things work. But who knows? Maybe it's got another 50 fucking years left in it. I doubt it, but maybe, right? And yet I can't imagine myself in that place either. So here's the deal, folks. Talking down to people is sometimes also about lying. And so I'm not going to tell you guys a bunch of falsehoods to make you feel better either about the way I see the world or about the way you should, or worse. Um, because the truth is I could also be wrong. And as far as the rest of this goes, let's go to the next topic. Because I, I, I think I killed the dead horse here. I killed it twice. And, and there's something bad about that, right? Next topic is also a quote from Dr. Freckles. Social media is the Potemkin village. What does that mean? Well, here's what I'll tell you. I think it means. Um, and I noticed this when I first went on Twitter back in 2012, right about the time my sister died. And I remember just thinking, look at all these people in their lives, how amazing their lives are. Look at the food they're eating. Look at how, I mean, my God, look at their abs, baby. Oh my God, look at his abs. He's got those rock-solid six-pack abs. He's got a hooker wife. She's an underwear model. Look at his home. Look at his Maserati. Oh my God. But what I figured out almost immediately, and I've really seen over the years, is that a lot of that is pure bullshit. 
It is, and you have to be really fucking careful because it's very well-constructed bullshit, so well-constructed that if you pick a little at the surface, you will find yourself on a phone call with someone else at the other end of the phone. And I'm not saying these phone calls are convincing, and I'm not saying they're worth doing, but eventually you'll say, well, how do I know this person is real? And you'll say, well, listen, why don't we talk on the phone? And once you've spoken to the person on the phone, you gotta know it's real. But what I am going to tell you is that even if you talk to a person on the phone, even if you meet a person in person at this point, assuming it's real is a huge assumption. I, again, it's expensive to mock up these things. It's, it's expensive to pay actors money to go to protests. It's expensive to pay an actor money to pretend to be somebody they're not. But if your goal is to do something where the money isn't really that big of a deal or you know it's all going to be worthless anyways, eventually, in not too distant future, then the money itself isn't really the issue. A lot of social media is a very deeply well-constructed web of bullshit, and it's designed to pull you away from people who live right next door. And this is why I call it a Potemkin village, because it looks wonderful, it looks great. You, you get home from work and you log into Twitter or Facebook and you check on your buddy. You get on whatever, Snapchat. You're doing some gamer thing. You check on your pal, Bob. And is Bob okay? And, and what also makes this very powerful is that fake accounts can generate a lot of not just controversy, but fake accounts can generate a lot of appeal. You know, this is a very powerful thing, this make-believe world that, we're, that you exist in on Twitter or Facebook or, frankly, LinkedIn or YouTube. And they'll make an appeal and they'll say they have cancer or they're paralyzed or this or that. They'll make a lot of shocking claims. They'll say they got the COVID. The COVID ruined their body. The COVID tore out their heart. The COVID melted their brain. Would you give them gold? Yeah, would you give them gold? Um, you should be careful. I, I think that social media was built for this purpose. It was built for mind control at a population scale. And 10 years ago, I would have said almost the same thing, but I would have said it with a little sarcastic smile. And, you know, now it's just not so funny. But I also don't know how serious it is. So, you know, next topic. Next topic. Next topic, Dan. So I've talked about this, but here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Hamlet by Shakespeare is an encoded thought essay on the evils of Denmark. Yeah. We don't love Denmark here at the Planetary Status Report. We'll move on to the next fucking topic. Um... Another quote from Dr. Freckles. Lawyers make trust impossible. <laughs> I'm a lawyer and I'm very... Yeah, I know you're upset, bitch. Um, lawyers make trust impossible. Let me explain what I mean by that. I think that we could live in a world where the forms of trust would not have to involve police or lawyers. That's not the world we live in. Because the world we live in, almost every situation is a situation involving a lawyer 
and a contract and eventually a cop. And that's not, you know, that's not always the sequence, but usually it is. And what I would contend is that's a world we need to get away from if we want a chance at survival, in part because it's too expensive. The complexity that that kind of world generates can never be made to work. I mean, I suppose you could say, what if we discover infinite energy? And I would contend that even in that world, the way that you solve problems with lawyers and laws and politicians and cops is absurdly complex. The thing about trust is trust is powerful. Trust allows you to commit to a transaction without any investigation, any work. Now, sometimes trust can fail. Sometimes you can have a trusted person, you're working with a trading partner, and they start cheating you. You know, you're trading your beaver pelts, you're trading for gold, they slip in some tungsten, that, that pisses you off. Yeah. Trust is not a perfect thing. There's nothing on this planet that is. If someone sells you or says, I have a perfect trust scheme, the only thing I can tell you with certainty is that they're lying at least about a couple things. One, the trust, and two, the perfection. Okay, I don't care what kind of technology you use. I don't care if you use iris scans. I don't know. I don't care if you you map the connectome, the connectome of your neural networks. I don't give a fuck what type of randomized pseudo fantastical translation of some algebraic map series gets you to trust. There is no perfect trust, and all those technologies are just ways of covering that up. And that includes lawyers as well. But the thing is, lawyers do worse than just sort of hide the truth of trust. I think they make trust impossible. Like you can't really have trust if you're going to have, if you have to hire a lawyer, you've already decided you have no trust. Because hiring a lawyer means hiring an officer of the court. It means involving cops on some level, even if it's a civil proceeding. There's going to be a sheriff who's going to show up to steal somebody's shit. At the end of the day, there will be force involved. There'll be a judge that will demand you to show up or demand you do A, B, and C. And if you refuse to, yeah, then there'll be outcomes. There'll be, you know, there'll be things that happen as a result. Um, you involve a lawyer, you might as well just say goodbye to trust. That's enough of that. Next topic. Fuck this. Fuck these topics. They're terrible. But there's a bunch of them, and I'm trying to get through them. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. There are, there are things in this life that are important. Piling money to the sky is not one of them. I think there are people who listen to this and think I'm a communist. I'm not. I'm not at all. Really, it's not an issue of whether you have a lot of money or not very much. It's really a question of what you think the purpose of it is. If you think the purpose of money and gold and silver is to dig a cave someplace and pile it in the cave then I think you've got a screw loose. I think, I think there's something wrong with you. But that's your right. If you want to do that, you can. This is not something that should be against the law. If some moron wants to put all their gold into a cave someplace and hire a, you know, an army of gromulacs and robots to, to guard it and put nuclear mines out, out in front of it and, and turn it into the ultimate you know, temple of doom, hey, Brother, sister, if that's what you want to do with the work of your existence, that's fine. I think it's foolish. I think it's insane. 
And I know a lot of people who think it's the American way. You pile a bunch of stuff. You, you fill up your garage with crap. You pile a bunch of investments. You own 50 different properties. And then when you die, you can look the Lord in the face and say, look at, all, look, look at what I did. Look at what I achieved. Now, of course, we discussed this on the Planetary Status Report before. When Jesus was offered the same deal from the devil in the wilderness, I think Jesus told the devil to beat bricks and... I would think Jesus looking at you would say the same. But you can believe that if you want to. That is your choice. There are churches in this country. There are churches that call themselves Christian that, that teach a gospel of piling money and piling wealth and having fancy cars and fancy wives and, I, and brothers and sisters or fancy husbands. And I got to tell you, that is not the way. It isn't. It isn't to say having a wonderful wife or husband is bad. It's not. It's not to say having a good car is bad. It's not. It's not to say having money is bad. It, it is not. However, if any of these things become an object of worship, then I think things do begin to go sideways. You know. Next topic, though. Next topic. We beat a dead horse. That horse is dead. That horse is never getting up. Wow, we're moving through all these topics I had left here. Oh, sanity and freedom. So I've discussed um, various perspectives on, on the meaning of things over time, the meaning of words over time. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. If you attach your freedom to your sanity, the government will simply reclassify the sane as crazy. Um, so there's this French philosopher by the name of Michel Foucault, and he's written a lot on subjects like prisons and insane asylums and various features of our society. Uh, what, what in the French philosophical movement post-World War II would be classified in terms of a genre of philosophy as structuralism, though I don't know, I think he might have considered himself post-structuralist, maybe even post-modern, I don't know. But you know, Foucault would tell you that depending upon the century you're living in, and again, he's dead, but he would tell you, his ghost would tell you, depending upon the century, century you're living in, what is crazy and what is sane could change, you know? And also, you could end up with other types of states beyond crazy or sane, like possessed. You're not crazy. You're not sane. You're possessed by a demon. And we just got to burn it out of you, you know? That's what we got to do. Burn you. That's the standard of care. I bring this up because um, a lot of folks, with respect to the Second Amendment, and again, I'm an anarchist, so you can already tell where I stand on the whole thing, but uh, a lot of folks with respect to the Second Amendment 
are saying, well, we can have common sense gun laws. And common sense gun laws would say that if a person has ever had a mental illness, they should not be allowed to have a gun. Now, let me tell you something. If we applied that principle across the board to include every person in the government that has access to weapons, not just private ones, but you know ones that our tax dollars pay for, if we applied that rule across the board, I think Washington, D.C. would be fucking empty. I mean, there would be nobody there, basically. Maybe there'd be a half a dozen Mormons or something. But other than that, everybody else would be gone, you know. Um, and probably the Mormons too, buddy. If you attach any of your freedom to whether or not a person in your life or in your society would classify you as sane, then you might as well just say you have no freedom. Because at any point in your own personal history, and at any point in the history of the people, various things could be classified as crazy. Things that, frankly, um, people are persecuted for, for a long time. And in many places today, it still goes on. If you're homosexual, you'll be persecuted. You'll be claimed to be crazy, or sick, or possessed or something else, but you're not human, you get reclassified. And once you're reclassified, your liberties, your rights, whatever you want to call them, they just fucking go away. And in some cases, you get executed. Okay, this is what happens in the extreme case of being classified as fucking crazy. Following the terror in the Soviet Union, when it became out of style just to dump people in the gulag archipelago, um, the Soviets started a slightly different approach, at least with the higher-ups. Instead of prison, if you were a kind of defiant, rebellious protester type, and you were higher up in the system, in the nomenclatura, as they would say, they'd call you crazy. You're, you're not bad. You're, you're not evil. You're not a capitalist. You're simply mentally ill. And we don't have to kill you. We can just put you in asylum for the rest of your life. Be very careful if you're out there and you're one of these Republican, maybe Democrat, maybe Libertarian type voters saying to yourself, well, I just joined the gun owners of America and, and they're telling me that I should stand fast. But, but, but now the National Rifle Association is telling me we need common sense gun laws, you know, check you for your prescriptions. If you're on Prozac... You don't get to buy 22 long rifle. It's kind of crazy, you know. I see these conversations all the time, you know, in terms of social media, where a person will say, well, you don't think crazy people should have guns, do you? But then I look at what our government has done with weapons in my lifetime. Forget the time before, forget the thousands of years, there are many more examples. But I think about what my government has done with weapons since I was born. To include, happening in my lifetime, the use of tactical nuclear weapons to frack for natural gas. You know. I mean, I could, if I include the, the two decades prior, we, we, we flung nukes up so high, we tried to bowl, blow a hole in the sky. 
And that was peacetime, brothers and sisters. During the war against the North Vietnamese, over a period of a decade, we dumped probably tens of thousands of tons of poisons on Southeast Asia. Not just North Vietnam, but Cambodia. And, and, and probably parts of Thailand were impacted as well because it is all in you know, kind of the same river basin. And so, yeah, we dumped a lot of poison, not just Agent Orange. Who the fuck knows what we dumped there? What we know or what we can see as a result is women have a lot of kids with birth defects, people getting cancers, and that this will be a problem for 10,000 years. Tell me again, okay, about taking guns away from crazy people. In 2011, just following Fukushima, Obama ordered an aircraft carrier into essentially the fallout debris zone of Fukushima. People told them this was stupid. P people told them this would make people sick, that sailors would die. And, and yet he did that. And I think he did it because General Electric said, would you please? You know, I think he did it for for the simple fact that by doing so, it was kind of a, <coughs> how can I put this? <coughs> the current events equivalent of taking radioactive material and burning it. The, the burning it doesn't do anything to the radioactivity, but it does spread it out further, which means all your cancer clusters become a little bit more indefinite. And that always works to your benefit if you don't want to get sued. So tell me again about crazy people using weapons. I mean, the aircraft carrier was a giant weapon with thousands of troops on it, and the entire purpose was to be kind of like a faux cover for General Electric. Tell me, please, ma'am, sir, brother, sister, tell me about the sanity of these people and their weapons. The simple answer is they have none. They have no principle, no sanity. If such a law existed and it was enforceable against every single person on planet Earth, just about every war would be over tomorrow. Now, of course, we got to go back to reality world. And the government's never going to enforce a law that ensures its own self-destruction. It, it won't. You take away force and there is no government. You take away the threat of killing somebody and the state goes away. You know, you can vote all day. You can go to the fucking bowling alley and you can get together with all your commie friends and you can take one vote after another. But unless you have a gun to point at somebody's head, nobody's going to do your crazy, stupid shit unless they want to. And chances are they're not going to want to, you shithead. Do not associate your rights in any way with anything, period is what I'll tell you. It goes beyond associating with sanity. You were born free. Nobody can give you your freedom. Nobody can take it away, period. You can die. You can be tortured. They can toss you into a jail. But you were born free. That's just the way it's going to stay. But if you're a voter and you still kind of believe in the Constitution, for what reason, I have no idea, you need to be very fucking careful about associating mental states to your rights. Because brothers and sisters... Almost all of you after 2020 look batshit crazy to me. And if I were the person sitting there, even as an anarchist, I'd have to look at you and look at the judge and shake my fucking head and say, yeah, that motherfucker who's wearing the coffee filter, who put two coffee filters on his kids when it was 100 degrees out, that motherfucker doesn't need a fucking gun.
Next topic, next topic. I'm trying to burn through these. I know. I know. I know, Dan. I know. Here's another one. This is an article from the New York Post about 28... What is this? Girls... Girls hospitalized. This is from the New York... 28 girls hospitalized with anxiety after playing Ouija board. This was written by Ben Cost and published on March the 7th. They're not in good spirits. Nearly 30 schoolgirls have been hospitalized. Holy fuck, man, in Columbia. I'm going to leave it right there. You you want to read more about this. It's in the notes. I, I have no axe to grind. I don't think people should play with things like the, the Ouija board without at least considering the possibility that it could be real. Okay, I, I don't know what to say about it. I'm a Christian, so right on the surface, you know I believe in some things that could be classified as, you know, supernatural. I believe in the power of prayer. There, you know, there have been studies about prayer, but the truth is, there is no conclusive study to show that prayer works or doesn't work, absolutely. I doubt it'll ever be proven scientifically to anybody's level of certainty where, where, you know, Richard Dawkins will suddenly give up his atheism. But I do believe in the power of prayer. So that means I believe in things that can be classified as supernatural. Do I believe in ghosts? Well, that's a tricky topic for me. I'm pretty certain the Lord's judgment is absolute. So the question of where you go when you die, I'm not sure anybody gets to hang around. But I don't know. I don't know for certain. I don't know what hell looks like. I mean, really. You know, amongst Christians, hell is a controversial topic. It is. And it's been that way probably since the beginning. Um, If you look at the Catholic view of hell, it's very much, you know, how can I put this? The Catholic view of hell is educated by and driven by a lot of pagan views of the of, of afterlife and, and the underworld and stuff like that. So for the Catholics, hell is this horrible place of total torment and pain and destruction. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. Um, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. I would just say when it comes to things like psychedelic mushrooms or DMT or Ouija boards, or going to see a fortune teller, just be careful, especially if you're a Christian. Be careful. Because I don't know how much of it's true. I am I am reasonably convinced there are demons. And and it's you know, you know it's one of those things, going back to that topic about social media being a Potemkin village. In a lot of ways, I think social media could be a village for demons. And I know, Dan, you're crazy. That sounds that sounds crack cocaine crazy, and maybe you're right. You're right. Let's go to the next topic. A lot of quotes from Dr. Freckles today. Am I right? Here's another quote from Dr. Freckles. <laughs> A cop or police officer shouldn't feel safe breaking into anyone's home. Yeah. What do I mean by that? Well, this is the this is the other side of the whole debate about the Second Amendment, or I shouldn't say the other side. This is the this is the perspective of a lot of good, you know, tax paying voter type people who have friends who are cops. Is that the reason why they want to take away your ability your ability, not your ability really, your your ingrained innate right to defend yourself is because they got friends who are cops and they don't want their cops getting killed. Now of course the assumption is is that criminals buy their guns at Cabela's. 
and they probably don't. And they probably don't even buy it from a guy who buys at Cabela's. So a lot of the assumptions about how much, you know, how much safer the world of the police officer would be if we just collected all these AR-15s, a lot of these assumptions are very shaky to begin with. But as I said, brothers and sisters, they, they stuck a giant shim to open up that door of common sense back in 2020. And it's entirely plausible that door has been destroyed in most people's heads. So don't attempt to explain how foolish their reasoning is. You're just going to make, you know, the eight people, the eight people angry. And I don't mean that racist. I mean all colors, shapes, and sizes. All the eight people, to include Uncle Dan. You're just going to make him angry. If you were actually a police officer and care about your job and believe it's your job to enforce the law, and again, these are huge assumptions, but let's go to pretend land and say you're a cop that believes it's your job to enforce the law. How safe should you feel just breaking into anybody's home? I mean, you can say, well, I have a search warrant signed by a judge. Oh, I noticed the smell of marijuana. I thought I saw some people upstairs rustling about. Um, and maybe back up a bit and think of this in terms of that basic moral principle that I used to believe doctors took seriously, but I'm not so sure now. And that is first do no harm. Okay, what if you're a police officer and what if one of your duties is to first don't do anything bad, don't murder, don't rape, don't kill, don't steal, don't damage people's property, don't shoot their dogs. What if every good police officer should actually obey the law? And this is really the question. When people can talk about AR-15s all they want to. But the problem with the police in this country is not that ordinary people have uh, uh, semi-automatic carbines. The problem with the police in this country is that whatever ethos ever existed, and again, I'm an anarchist here, so I don't think there ever was one, but whatever ethos might have existed in a whimsical fairyland is gone. And what they look like, even if they're not all a bunch of thugs, what they look like is an army of thugs to everyday people. Okay, so let's just back up on this just for common sense reasons. As a police officer in 2023, forget whether or not you think you have a right to feel safe. How intelligent is it to bust down some random fucking door? Okay, the American people have been exposed to a boiler room, a pressure cooker of military psychological warfare at a very high level since March of 2020. They have been driven with trauma-based mind control into some very crazy fucking places. How fucking safe do you think it could be to bust down any random fucking door in the year 2023? Meditate on that. Think on that. You know, I don't care if you're a cop or one of these Alex Jones freaks that keeps telling people the buses are going to show up to take you someplace. It ain't going to be no fucking buses. They don't want to have anything to do with your pillhead ass. They know as well as I do that if they kick over that hornet's nest, it's going to be a real bad fucking day. So this, this quote from Dr. Freckles may not be where it should be. It's not so much that you shouldn't feel safe as a cop just breaking down some random door. It's not about shouldn't. 
it's about, it's probably not even feasible at this point. Next topic. Next topic, bro, and bros and hoes. I'm burning through these topics. I got so many. And, there, and these are mostly Dr. Freckles quotes. And, and this one has a link to a podcast from 2021 in it. Um, perhaps the most racist thing in the world. Perhaps the most racist thing in the world is to ignore all this racist crap. Yes, perhaps the most racist thing in the world is to ignore all this racist crap. What does that mean? Well, in 2021, I did a podcast which is on Spotify, but it originally was 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 put on um, SoundCloud and on another website that GoDaddy destroyed, and it was published on the 8th of July, 2021, and the title is "I Am So Racist." And my purpose behind the podcast wasn't to talk about Hitler and how cool he 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 was, and to talk about the KKK and you know you know that rock what Rockwell guy blah 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 as if I give a fuck. No, my purpose was not to talk about racism in any context that would be considered flattering. My purpose was to point out that the fact that I think the whole thing is stupid, the fact that I think the George Floyd, you know, drama story of 2020 was probably manufactured, the fact that I went to Chop Chaz Chopia in Seattle with a video camera and was able to record how much bullshit was there, this makes me actually very fucking racist. If I, you know, if you were to say, Dan, do you hate black people? And I would say, no, I don't really judge people based upon, you know, the color of their skin because I think that's kind of dumb. That would make me fucking racist. If I say, well, Dan, then that means you must support reparations. And I say, well, the problem with reparations is that a lot of people need to get repaired. Okay, a lot of people, not just African-Americans. There are Native Americans who have family lines going back hundreds of years, who have a very good argument to make that both their property and their people were fucking destroyed. There are still people in Latin America, specifically in Central America, who can tie themselves to the Mayans. And the Mayans were fucking obliterated by the Spanish invaders. Okay, in the 16th century. So the question I would have is, if it's about reparation, who needs to get repaired? Okay, is it the Chinese workers that came to this country to build the fucking railroads? Is it the Irish that were basically starved out of Ireland only to show up here, be handed a fucking rifle to, be, to either kill Native Americans or later kill Johnny Reb? I mean, who gets repaired? Is it just one group of people or is it everybody? Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow your fucking mind, okay, beyond the racist issue, which really is about xenophobia. It's really about the fear that arises in any conscious being. It doesn't make it right, but it is a manifestation of the state of existence for a finite being. But that being said, you want me to blow your fucking mind? Everybody of every color and every gender and every perspective has been killing everybody ever since the beginning. 
I don't care if you're a Christian or not a Christian. It's in the Bible. Man, a lot of fucking killing. And I can promise you it's in every other book too. We have been killing and stealing and raping since the beginning. You want to tell me about that Neanderthal blood you have in you from that 23andMe test? How do you think that little bit of Neanderthal got there, buddy? Because what we mostly did was killed them. So if we weren't killing them, what were we doing? We were, starts with an R, has an A and a P in there, I-N-G, right? That's closer to the fucking truth. And where... Oh, where is the reparations for Neanderthal? We wiped them the fuck out. The ones we didn't kill, we raped. So where's that? If you believe that story, if that story is real, and you'd say, well, Dan, there are no Neanderthal left alive today, and I'd say, oh, mon frere contraire, I have people who I know who say they got a little bit of Neanderthal in them. So give them their 2% of all the future lost. Take all the potential, you know, wealth to be generated by the Neanderthal folk if they weren't raped and murdered by Homo sapien and then trace that out over, let's say, I don't know, 60,000 fucking years. 2% of that's a big 2%, buddy. Give me my 2%, right? But because I believe this, I am extremely racist because I think racism as a topic is stupid. I am the penultimate racist. You could argue that I might be the most racist person in North America, and I just don't fucking care. I don't. If somebody came out and said, oh, Dan, I was at the, uh, uh, yeah, ADL website or Southern Poverty Law Center, and I saw your, your, your blog listed there, I don't fucking care. I mean, if that's how tiny their worlds are at the Anti-Defamation League that somebody like me would show up, which I find highly unlikely. But let's say it happened. I don't fucking care. I do not care because it is more nonsense. And we may not have a lot of wisdom in 2023. We may not have a lot of logic. We may not have a lot of the things we should have. But we have an infinite amount of bullshit and nonsense. We are full up on nonsense. I mean, the dollar sale is giving it away, the dollar store is giving it away for free. <laughs> the dollar sale. There's a Freudian slip, eh, Jerome? Anywho, next topic. Next topic. And I'm trying to clean up a bunch of topics, so I've broken my rule. This podcast has gone over an hour, and that means I'm a son of a bitch, and I'm okay with that. Next topic is the book Mein Kampf. I read this in college. It's roughly the translation of the title is My Struggle, purportedly a book that Adolf Hitler wrote most of the notes for while he was in prison, you know, following his famous beer hall push or coup d'etat, you know, where he took over a beer hall and said he, he owned Germany. I think that puts you in the drunk tank for a night. How that puts you in jail for multiple years is, is kind of absurd for me, but whatever. Mein Kampf is that book he supposedly wrote. But I was, I was thinking about Mein Kampf the other day and thinking if you simply substituted the word Jew, what kind of a book would you end up with? And this is a quote from Dr. Freckles. I wonder how Mein Kampf would read if you substituted robot for Jew. But I did something different. Here's something from Mein Kampf, but it's a little different. 
It is certain that the Sasquatch uses all its subterranean activities not only for the purpose of keeping alive old national enmities against Germany, but even to spread them farther and render them more acute wherever possible. It is no less certain that these activities are only very partially in keeping with the true interests of the nations among whose people the poison is spread. As a general principle, the Sasquatch carries on its campaign in various countries by the use of arguments that are best calculated, you know, to, the, to appeal to the mentality of those respective nations. And are most likely to produce the desired results For Bigfoot knows what the public feeling is in each country. Our national stock has been so adulterated by the mixture of alien elements that, in its fight for power, Sasquatch can make use of the more or less cosmopolitan circles which exist among us. Inspired by the pacifist and the international ideologies... In France, the Sasquatch, they exploit the well-known and accurately estimated chauvinistic spirit. In England, Bigfoot, they exploit the commercial and world political outlook. In short, they always work upon the essential characteristics that belong to the blah, 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 Bigfoot, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, blah, blah, blah. I am telling you, brothers and sisters, if you took My Struggle by Adolf Hitler and you replaced everywhere there's a reference to Jewish people with either robot or Sasquatch or anything else, it would be equally stupid. It wouldn't be less stupid. It would be as dumb. Um, it's a terrible, terrible book. You know, people complain about Ayn Rand, but really, you know, come on, get real. And this next topic is the last topic for this podcast. Again, I'm trying to burn through some topics here. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. The hospital sling is the black Ford Econoline van of medical gear. What does that mean, Daniel? Oh, I don't know. I was thinking about this, this black sling I have from, from the broken arm situation. And I was thinking about Ted Bundy, and there's a story that he used to pretend to have a broken arm, right? But in my case, my arm is quite broke. In fact, I'm, I'm quite wingless here in many ways. I could be easily, easily destroyed. But still, it kind of creeps me out that I have that sling now, because I could put that sling on and, you know, pretend, hey, look at, look at my broken, busted up arm. Look at how bad a shape I am. I'm in. Will you help me look for my keys in the driver's side of my car. Oh, I broke my arm last week. Listen, I can't find my cell phone. It's in the back of that my not so well lit cargo van with you know with no windows in the back and that metal grate and yeah. We help me find my keys. We help me find my phone. Look at my black sling. It tells you I'm safe.
I don't want to go much further into that topic. It's horrible. If you listen to this podcast and you enjoy it, I have no idea why, but if you do, um, you can donate. There'll be a link to PayPal in the notes and a link in Spotify. And if you want to donate, you can. I would suggest you take care of your food, your water, your shelter, the people you love and care about first. I would suggest that you do some prepping. Um, Not that it necessarily is going to guarantee anything, but I think having a few months of food on hand at this point is not such a crazy thing to do. But, you know, if you've done everything you can to include thinking about your pets when you prep and you've taken care of everything you need to and you still have money left over, then you can donate to this podcast if you want to. I don't, I mean, I was about to say I don't care. I I don't care in a way that a person doesn't care because they're just kind of in a shitty mood. That's it. It's not very complicated. I don't care in that sense. I, I care, but I don't. Anyways, it's Saturday, March the 25th, 2023, just after 9.30 a.m. on its way to 9.40. And wherever you are, I hope you have a great weekend. Okay? Okay.